This podcast is brought to you by lineupmedia.fm. You know, it's been said that success comes to those who wait. Belief started in the fourth grade. I believe that it's earned with the right attitude. And I had this nagging feeling. A great belief system. I was capable of so much more. An action every single day. In all the pursuits that we have in our lives, I think there's an element of suffering. When you mix that in with faith, courage, discipline, and most importantly, a vision. Never give up on yourself. That's when greatness happens. The Circuit of Success with Brett Gilliland. Welcome to the Circuit of Success. I'm your host, Brett Gilliland, and today I've got the privilege and the honor of growing up a University of Illinois fan, the leading scorer in the history of University of Illinois basketball, Deion Thomas. How you doing? Hey, Brett. I'm doing well, man. I really appreciate you having me on. Thank you. Uh, you know, and just looking forward to having a great conversation with you. Absolutely. I am as well. So, uh, you know, I grew up in Matching, Illinois, just south of Champaign there. So, I got, to, I got to watch you play a lot of basketball, which was fun. And so, that uh, was back in my prime. I was, you know, trying to be a basketball player. I didn't – I wasn't quite six foot nine. And uh, But, hey, that's all right. But, uh, anyway, man, like on all the Circus Success shows, we always like to start with what made you the man you are today. And I know that's a wide open question, but just want to start with maybe what made Deion Thomas the man he is today? You know, it's, it's really a combination of life experiences and the people that you have in your life. You, you know, your teachers, your mentors, those are the people that are uh, extremely important in forming who you are like I said, as well as going along with your life experiences and your environment. You know, I grew up on the west side of Chicago, uh, which all of us watch the news and, and we see how hectic some of the things can be here in Chicago. Now with social media, uh, you see more of it. But, but these are the same things that have been around since I was a kid. I, you know, my wife and, and my kids, my two daughters make fun of me because I hate to sit with my back to the door when I'm in restaurants or I'm out in public because I'm nervous. Um, and this is a little PTSD from being a kid. Right. For sure. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, and I sit on the floor a lot of the time from and when I'm watching television, you know, now some of your listeners well, will be like, hey, well, why is he doing that? You know, that that's kind of crazy, especially when I have hardwood floors and not carpet. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, growing up as a kid, you know, we had to sit on the floor because of, you know, a lot of the gunfights and gunfire that, that would happen in my neighborhood. So my grandmother especially would be like, you know, when I lived with my mother, we lived in a 15-story a apartment building. So you didn't necessarily have to worry about that. But my grandmother, both grandparents, lived on lower floor houses. Um, so, you know, the chance of a bullet, stray bullet coming through your window was, was real. So we spent a lot of the time sitting on the floor at night watching television. And those are the kind of things that have carried over uh, still to this day. And I'm 48 years old. Yeah, no <laughs> kidding. But, you know, but it's so funny because my daughters make fun of me like that. You know, you don't live in the hood no more. <laughs> right. <laughs> and I tell yeah. them, but, you know, this, this, is, this was part of my upbringing where I'm from. And I think growing up like that instilled a – a toughness in me. Um, it instilled a, um, a a fire to not still have and live in that same situation, and 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 really fueled me to wanting more. And this is where you know I mentioned earlier the mentors and the people that come through your your existence. 
um, to help you grow. My grandparents were really our, you know, I'd say our because myself and my older brother at this time, they were really our primary parents. Um, my father wasn't around. He left at a very early age. And my mother was actually really young uh, when she had us. She had my older brother when she was 15, and she had me when she was 19. So she's graduating from high school while I'm, you know, I had two graduations from high school. Right, exactly. <laughs> you know, one was hers, one was mine. Right. But, um, but she still went on to graduate. Like I said, she graduated, got her uh, associate's degree, and she worked. You know, so she was working two jobs while we were, you know, growing. So we lived with my grandmother. Right, um, sure. most of the time. What do, you th- what do you think made you different though? I mean, cause you know, there's lots of people that have grown up in, in that environment, right? There's lots of people that uh, can play basketball or football or baseball, whatever it may be. Um, but what made you different? Do you think? Bernice McGarry. Those are the two words I'm going to give you. Bernice McGarry. That was my okay. grandmother. Um, unfortunately she's passed away way back in 94 now, but okay. she, she would often tell me, you know, you're bigger than the village. The, the village is the area where we grew up. You know, your name, neighborhoods sure. have, you know, in Chicago, you got a little bit, little Italy, you have, you know, Chinatown, you have, my area was called the village. And she would all the, often and always tell, you know, you're bigger than the village. You have to think outside of the village. And this was really the, the catalyst to my thinking and, and really wanting more. Um, my grandmother didn't go to school past the seventh grade, so she was very um, tough on us when it came to school. Uh, same as my maternal grandmother, who who didn't go past you know much past that same age or around that same age as far as schooling, and who worked in clean houses. My grandmother Bernice, I just mentioned, worked in the laundry from the time she was you know a little you know a young person for her whole life until she passed away. So they took their struggles and they imparted it into myself and to my brother. And, and like you said, what, what made me um, the one that took it? Because my older brother, to a certain extent, did. He was a really good football player in high school. He played basketball in high school, graduated from high school, had the opportunity to go on to junior college to play football because his grades didn't match up. But then he eventually fell off the wagon and, and, and you know, spent a large portion of his life in and out of prison. I think what, you know, what was the difference between me and, and with others, like Jawan Howard and other friends that I have that grew up in similar situations is I listened. And I truly wanted, um, not just to say I wanted more, but I wanted to live it and do it and be it. And even with that, there were times when, you know, you're almost creeping and about to fall over onto the dark side but then I would have someone that would come into my life that would pull me back over. Hmm. The first person I got mentioned was my grandparents, especially my grandmother Bernice. When I started to fall over, my mother ended up meeting my uh, then stepfather, Everett Johnson, who was a Chicago police sergeant at that time. I was 13 years old. I started hanging out with a lot of the gangs and gang members in my neighborhood who were my best friends and yep. started doing some other things that I should not have been doing. She ended up meeting him and they were dating at this time. And now I have a, a, a now the big, police are in your house. <laughs> well, no, actually he, at that time we, they weren't living together. Okay. Oh, 
when he and he was would basically come over every day, every other day. But now you have the vision and you have a visual of what a man is supposed to be. You know, I didn't have that. You didn't have that, yeah. Right, I didn't have that. So now I, I see this guy, he's carrying himself well. We're talking, speaking proper English. Now the only bad thing about him is is that he was a University of Michigan grad. <laughs> yeah. Can't have that. Can't have that. <laughs> you know, but other than that, you know, so I, now I, I, I see him. And this gives me an idea, okay, then I need to start doing some other things the right way. You know, my mother allowed him to be able to be that father figure and mentor, which was huge for us. Then, say a couple of years later, a year later, now I'm going to Simeon. I'm going to Simeon because my brother says, hey, you need to – I play baseball. Okay. One day I'm I'm walking home from a baseball game. My brother pulls me onto the court. And I play basketball with him and some of his friends that were out there on our way home. He says, hey, you need to play basketball. Forget baseball, you need to play basketball. And this was the summer between my eighth grade year and freshman year. Well, almost the summer between my eighth grade and freshman year where we're trying to decide where I'm going to go to high school. So in my neighborhood, there was Robeson High School and then there was Simeon, you know, in that West Inglewood uh, area my brother was like you're going to Simeon you're not coming to Robeson which is where he was in school that he was like no you're going to Simeon because you need to be under Bob Hambrick and that 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 basketball so, powerhouse yeah exactly so I get there I meet coach Hambrick and again even with my soon-to-be stepfather in the picture and trying to guide me I was still you know not doing everything I should do And I think this is where Bob Hamburg and basketball came in that really allowed me to focus on, on really doing better. Got it. So, and that's a big deal. And I think your environment really establishes kind of helps you where you go. Right. So take your brother and you raised in the same house, right. Under the same roof. Uh, His choices may be different from you because I mean, he had those same people in his life, but would you also think kind of getting plucked out of that situation and being, you know, a highly recruited basketball player, your exposure to things were, were bigger than maybe your brothers. And then also going to the university of Illinois and, you know, having a great education and all that stuff. Was that a, a major part of your life? Would you say? Oh, no doubt. No doubt. And once basketball started to kick off and, and again, in the beginning, I didn't enjoy it, you know, because I was a baseball guy, so I didn't enjoy it, but sitting and watching coaches come in uh, to our gym and recruit Nick Anderson, recruit Irvin Small, recruit Dion Butler, and some of the other high-quality athletes that were on the team, I'm like, okay, you know what? Maybe this is a good thing. <laughs> right. You know, maybe this is a good thing. Maybe I need to have myself here more often and, and doing the right thing. Now, of course, Bob Hamburg had a paddle, so it's a lot <laughs> different day than it was then. Right. You, You'd be in jail for that stuff now. Exactly. You know, you miss practice, you miss class. You know, he had his rules. He had the paddle to kind of straighten you out. So, didn't want to get the paddle. Right. (laughs) So, didn't miss class, didn't do these other things. And I think this isn't something else that really steered me along, which led me to meet Jimmy Collins and to meet some of the other coaches, you know, Clem Haskins, unfortunately, Bruce Pearl, (laughs) uh, you know, and and to really start John Thompson, you know, some really um, positive coaches that I was able to see. And I'm like, okay, you know, maybe this is the right direction to go to. And 
even as a kid, I always, you know, as we, I started to grow, I wanted something different. You know, I, I, to be honest, I wanted to go to law school. I hmm. wanted, I wanted to become a lawyer. Eventually, to go into politics or to be a judge. This was kind of my early uh, processes. So, in order to get that, you have to get to college. You have to go to college. You have to have good grades. And I think these are the things that, you know, talking to my pops and then talking to um, Bob Hambrick. And then, of course, my grandmother, they're pushing me in the right way, in the right direction, to the right thing. So when it came time to continue to grow as a basketball player, Simeon played a huge uh, part of that. Bob Hambrick took a kid that had never played basketball until my freshman year of high school. And and through Irvin Small, who – the way Bob Hamburg did it, he would take an upperclassman and pair him with a underclassman. That upperclassman had to teach that freshman or, or everything that he knew, everything that the program was about, and how you do things. So this is why often you'll hear me say Urban Small was my first t- basketball teacher. Yeah. He, he was taking those from Bob, those cues from Coach Hamburg and, and passing them to me. Well, he was a heck of an Illinois basketball player as well. Yes, he was. Yes, he was. And Nick Peterson, I forgot. So he was, uh, you guys were in high school together? Yes, Nick was a senior my freshman year. Okay. I'll never forget that shot Nick Anderson made against Indiana. Remember that? That turnaround oh, shot oh, from about wow. half court? One of the greatest shots. His shot and Andy Kaufman's shot to yep. the hour, two of the biggest shots probably in the, probably the two biggest shots in the history of the University yeah. of Illinois. It was incredible, incredible. So I digress, my apologies. But those, those were guys were your, your coaches, your mentors, and yes. that helped you a lot. It did. I mean, it helped me grow. And then you see how things are supposed to be. You know, not coming from and, – and, and they lived in the same environments I did. You know, not yep. the exact same neighborhoods, but the same environment. But going into Simeon, when you're under Bob Hamburg, there's one way you're going to do things, and that's Bob Hamburg's way. Yep. And once I, I – understood that I began to gravitate to that this is what led to and and a natural born I have to say a natural born talent to go along with great teaching and having the right mentors and people in the right place allowed me to be able to get my get my you know graduate from Simeon and then have a, a, a because of what I did in the classroom a myriad of schools to choose from yeah and, you know, when it came down to it, my top five were Arizona, UCLA, Minnesota, Illinois, of course, and Iowa. And, you know, in this, my grandmother knew nothing about basketball. Nothing. Right. Nothing about sports. That was not her world. But her world was me. And she was mine. So we sat down. We went through the list of schools. And she was like, here I can come and see you. You know, right. Iowa's too far away. Minnesota is too cold. Uh, Arizona yep. uh, and Los Angeles. I will never see you. So, you know, this is how we we came down and made the decision on, on where I was going to school because I couldn't go somewhere that she was not able to make. It. This is Brett Gilliland with Circuit of Success. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Circuit of Success. I'm Brett Gilliland, your host. Let's dive back into this week's guest. What's it like for you now when you walk back? I'm going to call it the Assembly Hall. There's still the Assembly Hall. And uh, we still got the Chief Illini, all that stuff. What's it like when you go back to a game now? 
You know, doing the radio for the University of Illinois, because then I do the men's basketball, but every time I walk into that gym, it's a sense of coming home. Every time I drive into Champaign, it's a sense of coming home. Uh, I was with Josh Whitman, the athletic director, just yesterday, as a matter of fact. And this, during the basketball season, they, um, he informed me that I'm going to be a part of the, um, the Hall of Fame for this year's class. That's right. And, you know, my first words of thank you to him was to tell him how the University of Illinois changed my life. Um, it gave me, when you grow up in my neighborhood, the impression that you have of, um, of white people is not good. Right. Because the only people in my neighborhood were either the police, <laughs> right. you know, and, and of course they're not treating, they, at that time they weren't treating anyone well. So yeah. when I got to Champaign, to understand that everyone was not like the bad experiences I had in my neighborhood, you know, really opened my eyes and, and taught me how to relate to other people, how to deal with other people, how to create friendships from people that were totally different from totally different places than I am. And that's one way that it changed my life. Not to mention the fact that, you know, my education, you know, a degree from the University of Illinois, you know, Brett goes, it's, you know, a long, long, a long way. way. You build the connections you build, and not to mention being able to do the things that I did on the basketball court right. with those friends. You know, TJ Wheeler and Tom Michaels, and and those guys are still friends to you know of mine, my best friends to to this very day. So, Tom is uh, he's been on the circuit of success before, and he's at my alma mater, Eastern Illinois University, doing great things there as the AD. Yes, and. You know, that was my first roommate. And this is why I say come, meeting people for the first time that are totally different than you. Yep. When Tommy was my roommate my freshman year at, at Illinois. Tommy came in as a 19-year-old with a wife, with a child yeah. that was really focused on what he wanted to do in life. I came into Illinois as a kid that had an idea of what I wanted to do that was still shell-shocked from – you know, changing environments like that, changing situations like that, having deal, having to deal with the whole NCAA deal with Bruce Pearl and, and all of that. So I am a kid in flux when I walk in there. And do they pick that? Do they pair you up with Tom Michael? Or I mean, because you think you got it to your point, right? You got a guy coming from your neighborhood, mm-hmm. and then you got a kid coming from the country, right? Right. How do they pair those two together? Or did you, that just happen uh, organically? Well, you know, I, I'm not really sure. I've never asked that question. Um, I know and everything is deliberate that they do in the basketball office. So you're rooming with another athlete. Uh, today, that's a little different. They do things a little differently. But at that time, you were living with your teammates. And it was probably – we were probably paired up because of positions. Um, yep. You know, he was an inside player. Well, even though he stood out there and shot three-pointers most of the time. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> you know, at 6'8", six, 6'9", six, we were right. – paired up together and I can't I can't tell you you know and I mentioned the people that come through your life that you learn from I learned so much from Tom Michaels um and and this is actually the first time I'm saying this I haven't even told him that but I I learned so much from Tom Michaels and from his uh life situation um then I, I, I mean, it just means a lot because I don't think there are people that come into that situation that meet yep. someone 
that's like Tommy, who surprisingly was a lot, not, not surprisingly, was so much more mature than the average 19-year-old. Yeah. And is one of the smartest guys that I know. And so he was able to help me um, navigate, uh, you know, my freshman year in a, in a lot of big ways. He'd probably only tell you about all of the animals I had in my room with the snakes <laughs> and all of that stuff. Right. <laughs> but probably wouldn't talk about those other things. Right. Well, I'm sure he'll listen to this, and now he'll uh, – I'm sure he's pretty fired up, and I'm sure you're going to get a text message or something here soon talking about that. So thanks for sharing that. So, oh, my pleasure. Uh, I mean, so speaking of that, a teammate, so let's, let's take that into the business side. You know, a lot of people listening to this are in the business world. So how do we become better teammates? How do we become the Tom Michael for you? How do we do that for other people in our, in our cultures? Well, I, I'll tell you this, and this is one of the things that I have taken from coaching, and, and I think it applies to every bit of the business world. You know, I, I listened to um, Coach K in an interview one time, and he says when he has issues, uh, basketball issues, he, don't, he doesn't call other coaches. He calls his friends that are all business leaders mm. and CEOs and things of this nature it's because of the synergy and the overlap between the two. Right. If, if one of the most important things I learned as a coach when I'm putting my team together is you have to understand the personalities, the tendencies, and what people are good at. If you ask someone on the street, they think they're good at everything. Right. <laughs> you know, but when you as a CEO or, or as a manager, you have to really be able to sit down, know who you, who's working for you, and then be able to pair them up and put them in situations where as what any coach would do, I'm going to put you in the, best, in the best situation to make you successful. So you're successful. So if, I'm a, if you're a people person, I'm not going to take you and stick you in an office and somewhere where you're not dealing with or talking to people. I'm going to put you somewhere where your abilities shine. And I think this is where you can take things from uh, uh, coaching, from whatever, and you put that there. I'm going to put my best five players on the court. They can't all be five two-point guards that can't shoot. That's right. <laughs> you know That's what right. I'm saying? Maybe one of those guys could be one, so then he could get the ball to up the people where they need to be. So you really need to be deliberate in how you put your team together, the personalities of the people that are on those teams, and then put them in the situations where they can be most effective to the organization as a whole. That's great. Great feedback, great wisdom. Cause you're right. There is so much overlap in, in the business world, you know, that I played sports my whole life and, and I'm thankful for that because of the, the, the losing and the practicing and the being deliberate with your time. I mean, all those things, you learn them as an athlete, right? And so whether my kids go on to another level, you know, or not, I have four boys is irrelevant because the, the, what they're learning today in sport is a big deal for the business world going forward. You know, and, it's, and it's so funny you talk about that because when my wife and I got married, my wife is Israeli. So my wife is an American. So she was raised, of course, different, a lot different than I am. Sure. But the one commonality that we had when we decided to get married was the girls have to play a team sport. They could choose the sport, but they have to play a team sport. Yep. And the reason they had to play a team sport is a lot of those things that you just mentioned. You have to learn winning and losing. You know, right. you have to understand how, you know, when you lose, that you have to get back up. You have to learn that everything we do in this existence is not solely on you but you are a part of a team and a part of a hand. And I had a guy that tell me one time, 
you know, what's more, what's, what's more powerful five. Sorry about that. That's all right. Speak alerts are going off. Um, what's more powerful five or one, you know, most people would say that five is right. Right. And the first thing he told me was, he was like, you have five or you have one. Hmm. The one is more important. That fist is more important. So if I get all five people to act and work and move as one, then we're much more powerful. This is one of the things that I wanted my daughters to learn. You have to learn how to work with people. You have to learn how to differentiate between who is who on what given day because everybody's not the same all the time. You have to learn how to take direction. You have to learn how to deal with when, you know, your bosses or your coaches, because you're going to get your butt chewed out every once in a while. And I would always tell them, don't listen to the tone. You listen to the message because mm-hmm. the message is what's important. That's right. Not, not the tone. I mean, anybody can have a bad day and come out and yell and scream and this and that. But where am I really trying to get from this in order to make myself successful? Because every manager, every CEO, every coach wants you to be successful because if you're successful, then they're successful. Yep. No, you're absolutely right. I mean, it's that common mission, right? The culture you're building, the mission that you have, you know, our firm's mission. If we yes. can go out and help people achieve a future greater than their past and we all work around that, we win. Absolutely. And our clients win and so on and so forth. So let's talk about talent versus hard work. I mean, I, I'm hearing this all over your conversation today is it's one thing to to be 6'9 and, you know, score, what was it, 2,129 uh, points and have all the blocks you had. I mean, all the stuff, Mr. Basketball, that's talent, right? But I have yeah. to believe there was hard work that, that made that, that talent happen. Would you agree? Well, I, I definitely agree. I, I definitely agree. You, you get nowhere if you don't put in the work you're supposed to do. I mean, it's in the good book. You reap what you sow. That's right. <laughs> you know, it's been there since the beginning of the time. I don't know of anyone that's ever been successful by sitting on their butts. And, and, it's, and it's not always enjoyable. I mean, you have to, you know, put in your work. When I'm, when I'm preparing for a, whether it's one of the games on the radio or whether it's on the Big Ten Network, I'm watching the previous five games. Right. You know, I'm breaking down the previous five games. I'm talking to the assistant coaches. Don't really have a whole lot of access to the, to the, the, the kids um, and don't really want it because, right. you know, kids. Kids are kids. They're going to be scatterbrained. I want to get an inside look at what they're doing, who they're doing it with, how they're preparing, the games that they've played before, because a kid can say one thing. Video will tell you everything. So you're watching. I'm watching this, and I'm preparing for this. So when I go on television or I'm sitting, I don't make myself look like a complete idiot because I don't know what I'm talking about. That's right. So that goes in every aspect of your life. I mean, I'm, you know, people talk about my turnaround jump shot and how pretty it was. I can't even count the number of turnaround jump shots that I shot in my life. And I mean, it's so funny. The girls laugh at me because I still shoot them in the kitchen. Of course I don't have a ball. (laughs) Right. Right. But I am still shooting turnaround jump shots in my kitchen. Why? Because it's just now it becomes a part of you and it begins to make things easier. And the more you do it, the better you get at it. You playing any pickup basketball today? You got any uh, I, I, the over 40 leagues that we're able to play in now? You know, to be honest, there are no over 40 leagues in my area in Naperville. Uh, you know, right. I don't know if you remember Todd Wolf. Todd Wolf played for uh, Michigan State back when Steve yes, and those guys were a great shooter. 
he runs a facility here. And I told him, I was like, man, we need to get some old man leagues going. That's right. That's right. Because <laughs> he's older than me. So I'm like, we need to get some old man games going. But um, my biggest fear, and I played in a, a parents volleyball league the other day uh, for my daughter's club. Uh, fundraiser and the only thing I kept thinking to myself was please don't go out here and pop an Achilles yes <laughs> that's our biggest fear that's oh our my biggest God, fear yes. this is Brett Gilliland with Circuit of Success we'll be right back welcome back to the Circuit of Success I'm Brett Gilliland your host let's dive back into this week's guest Let's talk about mindset. I mean, uh, again, now we have talent. We go out, we work hard, right? We've done 9 million turnaround jump shots or we've practiced our presentation in the boardroom 9 million times. But how critically important is that guy right up there? The most important. Your, Your thought process, your mental strength and mental capacity is the most important. That comes through preparation. If you're prepared, uh, you, you have to trust your preparation and then move forward from there. A lot of people put roadblocks up in front of themselves because they begin to question, regardless of how much prep they've done, they begin to question once there are other people sitting in the, in the room, yeah. you know, because not because they're worried about themselves. They know they've done all that they've, that they need to do. Their fear comes from what are other people thinking? You know, or is Mr. Smith going to like my presentation? Is, you know, Mr. Robinson or Miss Robinson, Mrs. Robinson going to think that I, I hit the right note on this? Right. Your preparation comes when you put in uh, the, the necessary work, the necessary preparation, then you've already won the presentation. You know, I'm a big John Wooden fan. John Wooden says, if you can look in the mirror and know that you've put all of your effort into it and into being perfect, then you're going to be perfect regardless of what the outcome is. Because the challenge isn't with the people in the room. The challenge is with yourself. And every time you can surpass that little bit of yourself that was trying to hold you back, and again, that's all upstairs. That's in your brain. That's in your mind. That's in you. If you can bypass that just a tad bit, you've already won. Yep. So no, maybe they, maybe they don't accept your presentation that day. But what do you do? You go back, you tweak it, you come back and you present it again. Right. Yeah, and I think to your point right there, the, the most successful people do that. Like you just say that like that's just normal, but that's not normal, right? Because a lot of people's mindset is, oh, they don't like it. They're going to go home and, you know, get in the fetal position for a week and, and cry about it. But you can't do that, right? You got to bounce back like that and, uh, and get after it again and go give your presentation another time. You have, to do, you have to have what Bob Hamburg used to always tell us. You have to have amnesia. Huh. Yeah. You have to have amnesia. No, you're right. You know, and he would, <laughs> there was one game I went, uh, first half, I think I was over for like 12 or, or, I mean, it was horrible. It was bad, right. It was bad. So we're in the locker room. No, we came back out second half. And I got two wide open shots and I didn't shoot the basketball. And this story stands out in my head because this was the last time I had ever did that. The rest yep. of Call the timeout. No, he calls a substitution. I come out. He sat down. He was like, you know, you can't make the shot if you don't shoot it. 
He didn't say it quite nicely as that. <laughs> exactly. He also had a pat on his hand, right? Exactly. He didn't quite say it as nicely as that. Yeah. But there we go. We talk about the listening to the message and not the tone. And, you know, went back in. I think I had 25 or 30 points in the second half, and we ended up winning the game. Mm. So, you know, this is what people have to get to. And this is one of the hardest things for, for people to do. Like you said, I, I did this, I've been doing this my whole life. So it's okay for me because I've been seasoned and trained. Right. They can also be seasoned and trained. And that's where, you know, you, you see people, they bring out motivational speakers, they bring out these people, but, you know, they don't actually send them through with training. Yep. You know, you have to train to fail and understand that that failure is nothing but an opportunity to proceed and get that's better. Right. That's right. Well, I'm glad we're, we're very much uh, in line with each other. So what would you tell the Dion Thomas, if you could go back now and, and tell that, you know, even that 25 year old guy, something, what, what advice would you give that young man? You know, it, it, and this is going to come across probably, um, you'll look at the successes that I've had in my life on and off the court. And I would go back and tell Dion to be more focused and work even harder. Hmm. On, on the the things that you know and, and then really look outside the box but continue to work on those basics and put work harder at the time when I played you know if you were six seven and above you were in the post if you look at today's basketball players you got Kevin Durant seven one that's shooting the basketball putting the ball on the floor this is all about being complete and, and the completeness and sometimes you have to look outside of the box of others in order to you know find your full potential. So you take the Michael, the Michael Jordan analogy. Michael took one, um, and I wouldn't call it a deficiency, but one thing in his game that he didn't think was up to par every summer, and that's all he did. Singular focus on getting better. I would tell myself to put in that singular focus work and to, and to get better at it and, and to be and get more focused on on some of those other things that you don't do well. This is what I do now. Right. <laughs> and I wish I had known it then. Yeah. So if you could go back and I'm going to, uh, even though I know you probably would be the same as what a lot of people would say is you wouldn't switch places with anybody because you've enjoyed your life and your experiences, but I'm going to make you trade places with somebody. You got to go out, you got to pick somebody and you want to be that person. And who is that and why? Hmm. Who would that be? That was from my circle or just Just someone? anybody. Just anybody you think, man, that, that person, and whether it be for impact or just for the life they live, I mean, what would that person look like for you? Wow. That's actually a really good question. I have <laughs> never thought of that one before. But you know what? You know one of the things that I love now and that I, um, and that I try to do on a constant basis now – you know, sports and those things have been my whole life. I would love to switch, and, and I don't have an individual person, I'm sorry. but no, that's all right. That's all you right. Know, but if I could switch with someone that um, has learned how to use their hands to create um, things that, and structures that you could see on a daily basis. You know, a lot of my creation, and, and again, don't think I would change my life one bit, really. Right. Maybe maybe have the lights on and something to eat a few nights right. <laughs> out of it. But to be able to, I, I do a lot of my creation and trying to help young people and things of that nature from the inside. 
So when, when that happens, I, I get a lot of satisfaction for it. I had one of my former players just call me two days ago. He just graduated from college, and he was like, Coach, I wanted to tell you I graduated. Couldn't have done this if it wasn't for you. Mm, and I love that, and it fuels me. But if I could have built a Golden Gate Bridge, oh, my God. You know, so now I'm getting into these things where I'm trying to do a lot of things with my hands, where I'm really trying to uh, – uh, learn gardening and, and those types of things. Yeah. That, that's a part of my life that I, I want to get better at. My best friend is in uh, construction, so he's going to come by and help me build my deck. And I told him, I want to help build this deck. I don't right. want you bringing your crew and you do this because that's the part that, you know, has some been something that really um, has always interested me, but I've always been, you know, of course the athletic part and more of the part up here than actually the hands-on doing. And, and that's right. what I would love to have, have to be better at. And I will be better at it. Got it. So what, um, talk to us about Illinois basketball. And, and you, uh, you're there. Tell us maybe one of the best games or one of the biggest highlights for you in your career there. I mean, obviously you had a lot of them. But what was uh, one of those best games you could share with our listeners? Well, I, I can give you two. Um, I, I never played – I never played um, – the sport of basketball, like most, most, most people say, well, you know, they were playing to get to the NBA. That was never my focus. My focus was for me to get out of the village and off of the west side of Chicago to, to have a better life. And that didn't necessarily mean making it to the NBA, even though I was, I was drafted. But you talk about a game, this first game, and, and this is an easy one for you, is the day I broke Eddie Johnson's uh, scoring record. Yeah. And when I broke that record, to be honest, I didn't, re- <laughs> I didn't realize that I had done it yeah. until they stopped the game and um, then they start the announcing and talking about it. And I'm like, oh, okay. Oh, this is about me. <laughs> yeah, you know, Jerry Hester, because Jerry had the assist yeah. when I broke the record. Jerry comes and jumps on me and, and, and they pause the game and my grandmother comes out on the basketball court. Oh, wow. So, you know, this is, is – that was one of the biggest moments for me was to see her face um, while we were out there with Coach Collins and with Coach Henson. That is one of the proudest moments and the biggest moments for me. But again, not because of the scoring record, but for a woman that had made so many sacrifices for me, for me to be able to give, you know, not really give that to her, but to have her be a part of that. Yep. Was, was absolutely amazing. And then the second one, of course, you know, we mentioned, we mentioned great shots and the greatest shots in, in, in fighting a line eye history was Andy Kaufman's shot. For the listeners that don't know, this was right after that time, you know, we went through this whole issue with the University of Iowa and the NCAA investigation. So I, I had a bitter pill in my, in my mouth for the University of Iowa, even though Bruce Pearl had been fired for lying, but even though I had a bitter pill in my mouth and there was no way on God's green earth I wanted to lose to the <laughs> right. Iowa. So uh, what are Deion Thomas's passions today? What, uh, what, what do you wish you had more time to do? You talked about working with your hands, but uh, what are your passions now? You know, my, my passions are my babies. You know, I mean, after – playing as long as I did and then having and then going directly into uh, coaching and, and being an athletic director for five years and then coaching at the division one level for two didn't have an opportunity to spend a lot of time with them 
Yeah. Uh, missed most of my oldest daughter's high school um, playing career and did not want to miss my youngest daughter's volleyball career. So I spent as much time with them doing the things that they want to do or need to do. But at the same time, my, that's a huge passion of mine. But my, I think the reason I'm here and I've been put on this earth is to help others that grew up in situations like myself. Yep. So I spend a lot of time talking to young people. Um, in my position that I'm currently in for the university, I'm the community relations coordinator for the university system. So I I spend a lot of time in high schools, talking to high school kids, trying to inspire them to be better, you know, to get off or get out of the west side, south side, east side, you know, because you can have more by being more and by putting more into yourself. Learning how to trust and love the others that are around you and the people that are trying to help you. So I spend a lot of my time really with kids, <laughs> my kids and other people's kids. <laughs> um, so those I, I think would be, you know, my two biggest passions is, is really just helping uh, people grow, helping people motivate. And then I do, you know, some corporate and, and, and public speaking things. Uh, you know, again, it's back to being a coach. Awesome. That's what I am. That's what I've always been. I like it. Well, Dion, where can our listeners find more of Dion Thomas? You a big social media guy? You got a website? Where you at? Well, uh, I am putting the website together, uh, but I they can find me on Twitter at Dion Thomas twenty five. You know, for Twitter, and mm-hmm. it's actually the same thing for Instagram. So, okay, I, I spend a lot of my time on there posting a few things. I am considering writing a blog to add to my um, my Wix page, which is also Dion Thomas. All right, uh, process of having others um, building a website as I continue to build the brand, and then of course. During the fall, uh, on the Big Ten Network as a college basketball analyst and with Illinois basketball uh, on the radio with Brian Barnhart. Nice. All right. Well, Dion Thomas, my man, leading scorer in the history of the University of Illinois basketball. That probably doesn't get old hearing that. That's a big deal. And, uh, I mean, I've enjoyed having you on the circuit of success and, uh, and chatting with you. So thanks for joining us today. Right. My pleasure, man. Anytime. Thank you. Thanks for listening to The Circuit of Success. I am your host, Brett Gilliland, and each and every single week, we're going to bring you a great guest, whether that's a a business leader, a professional sports star, an author, whatever it is, we're going to bring you as much as we possibly can to help you live your best life. And so we look forward to bringing that to you every single week. If you want more on our firm, Visionary Wealth Advisors, check us out online at visionarywealthadvisors.com. You can also find the show's website at circuitofsuccess.com. We'll be back next week with another great guest on the Circuit of Success. This podcast was a presentation of lineupmedia.fm. 